Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the jar. My name's Chris. We're so glad that you are with us this morning. And today, we begin our brand new series called Hashtag Struggles. Now, before we jump in today, though, what I'd like to do is to take a selfie of all of us here, okay? And so I'm going to go ahead and all of you, if you could smile, that'll be good. And I'm going to take a selfie just to let people know that I was in church today. Oh, you look good. Okay. Now, what I'd like all of you to do right now is in your little cup holder, you should have found a little card that looks like this. And what I'd like you to do is go ahead and take your own selfie uh, of yourself here in church to let people know. For those of you that are on the stream, what we'd like you to do is go ahead and take a selfie with the uh, live stream behind you so that uh, you can be able to share that. And this is what's really cool. Uh, what we want you to do is to go ahead and place this uh, on social media at either hashtag the jar struggles or you can tag us at the jar community church. And what we're going to do is we're going to pick one of the people who do this kind of selfie uh, to go ahead and get a prize. So we could help you out, even on the live stream. We'll mail it to you. So go ahead and take some time. Do that right now. We'll have a little mood music. Go ahead and do that. There we go. Some of you are doing it. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. Those of you on stream, go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. All right. Now, I have no doubt that what some of you are going to do, you're going to have to take more because the first one didn't look good enough, right? And so you don't want to post that one. So it's okay. Anytime during the celebration, you can do that. If you're on the stream, it really doesn't matter. Uh, you can go ahead and do that as well. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, today we're going to begin our series, Hashtag Struggles. And how many of you would agree that 2020 has been a year of struggles? Just raise your hand. Uh, if 2020 has been, yeah, like every hand almost is up here. And uh, the truth is it has been. Uh, this year has been unlike any other year in over 102 years. The last time that our world was faced with a global pandemic was in 1918. And COVID, the coronavirus, has consumed us. And we've found that there have been many people who have lost their lives throughout the world. Uh, other people have lost loved ones and gone through the grief of that. Others have gotten sick, and some of you have maybe experienced that. And for many of us, there's been some fear uh, throughout this whole process. And so we come to, you know, the end of October, and the reality is we're just facing some struggles. And so as a staff, we got together and we're like, how can we kind of hit some of the struggles that people may have been facing? And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at some different struggles and kind of talk about how we can overcome them, including maybe some of the social media struggles that you've had during this time as well. Now, the best way to be able to face your struggle 
is to not do it alone, but to do it in a small group. And so for the next five weeks, that's all we're asking, is that everyone would be a part of a small group. Uh, if you're not in one right now, it's real easy. If you're in the auditorium, up in the balcony or down here, uh, just go through the doors at the end of the celebration and you can sign up at Guest Connections. If you're on the stream, what you can do is just go to our JAR app and you can go ahead and click on the small group tab there and you can sign up for a small group there. But I'm telling you, if you do life in community, you can get through almost any struggle. Now today, what I want to talk about is the first struggle, and that is contentment. I think throughout 2020, one of the struggles that many of us have had is contentment, having contentment. We, we've been very discontented. I mean, there's contentment, but we're living in a discontented world. Now the first time that I ever experienced uh, kind of this process from contentment to discontentment took place when I was five years old. Up until five, I was what you would call a try or I was what you would call a training wheel bicyclist. Okay? I had my little training wheels, I was on my bike, but I was only a training wheel bicyclist. And then at the age of five, my mom and dad bought me, well, they didn't really buy me. They gave me a handy-down bike, uh, a hand-me-down bike that was red in color. And uh, you can see the bike there. And when I got that bike, I was like, but there's no training wheels. And they're like, yeah, that's right. You're going to have to be a big boy. And man, all of a sudden, I put like all my Lance Armstrong gear on and without the doping. And, and I just started pedaling and pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. And, and all of a sudden I learned how to do that. And I was so excited that I decided I wanted my best friend, Jeff Alderson, that lived down the road to see what I had received. And so I rode my little bike down to Jeff's house and he had this gravel driveway and I wasn't very good on gravel. So I was kind of nervous, you know, that I might fall down. But I, I went ahead and I did it anyway. And I get up there and I get off my bike and I'm like, Jeff, Look what I got. I, I can ride a big boy bike now. And I'll never forget what Jeff said. Jeff looked at me and he said this. That ain't a bike. He said, you want to see a real bike? Come to my garage. And so we went back to his garage. And there it was in the garage. A KMX 750 BMX dirt bike. And when I saw that bike, Compared to my red girly bike, I was like defeated. And I experienced the very first time in my life going from contentment to discontentment. And there was this deep kind of depressive feeling. Let me ask you this morning. Have you ever experienced discontentment in your life? Maybe the truth is some of you are experiencing discontentment right now. You're going through it right now. And the reason we do this often is because we have a tendency to always be comparing ourselves to somebody else. Uh, their life is wonderful. My life stinks. 
Like, when I look at the pictures on social media of their life, it looks amazing. My life is a mess. Well, the truth is, is that before you leave, I hope you'll at least understand our big idea of how to overcome discontentment. And the big idea this morning is this. The more we compare with others, the less contentment we have. That's your first kind of fill-in, if you want, on the app. Uh, The more that we compare ourselves with others, the less contentment we have. Now, there are many different ways that we compare ourselves with others, but within the battle of comparison, I just want to talk about three this morning that I think are essential. The first one is this, material and financial discontentment. Material and financial discontentment. This is where you look at your friend's car, and then you compare it to your car, and you're like, I hate my car. I can't stand my car. And you really want to be happy for the person who has a nicer car or a newer car than yours, but you really aren't, and you become jealous, and you're like, I want their car. Or at a minimum, you're kind of like, I hope their car breaks down. You know, it's just kind of that mentality. Or if you're a student, you go to school, and you think that you have the best shoes Ever. And then somebody walks in with better kicks than you are and you want to spit on their shoes because you can't handle it. Well, whatever it is, there are times in our lives where we struggle with material or financial discontentment. How many of you have ever experienced that before where you you have a discontentment because of someone that has something different than you? Just just raise your hand. That is material, right. And those that didn't raise their hands, what do we call them? Liars. Yeah, you're a liar. Because we've all experienced that before, where there's something that someone has materially or financially that we don't have. Now, the second thing is what I call relational discontentment. Relational discontentment. You go to Instagram. And you look at a picture and all of a sudden you notice like all of your friends are at this party. But you weren't invited to the party. And you're like, what's up with that? I mean, why don't they like me anymore? And, you know, why am I not invited? And all of a sudden you become very discontented. Maybe you're single. And you're here this morning and you're single or you're on the stream and you're single and you're thinking to yourself, man, I just wish I was married. I wish I had some one in my life, someone that I could do life with, that I wasn't lonely, that I could actually experience life. And then maybe for others of you, you're married, but then you compare your marriage to somebody else's marriage, and you think to yourself, well, they have such a great marriage, and and my marriage, to be honest, man, it stinks. And I just wish I had something. And all of a sudden, there's this envy That's in your relational status. Have you ever been there before? Where you compare yourself to someone else relationally. Well, here's the third one. It's one that I actually struggle with myself. It's called circumstantial discontentment. Circumstantial discontentment. This is what it is. You look at your life and you compare it to someone else's and you're like, 
you know what, I wish my life was as significant as this other person. Or, you know what, they've done so much with their life. Why, why haven't I done more with my life? Why haven't I been able to do that? Uh, maybe for some of you who are wanting children, you, you want so badly to have a baby, and then you look on Instagram at the eighth person who has a reveal party. You're like, ah, oh, that's what I wish I had. And circumstantially, you struggle with that. Or sometimes, like I said before, this is something I struggle with. I, I work almost every single Sunday. Uh, most of you do not work on Sundays. And whenever I see your pictures, when you've been gone somewhere, like you're at the lakes or you're at a Colts game, or like my girls sometimes, they'll be at a soccer game or they'll be at a ballet recital, and all these people are taking these wonderful pictures of themselves at these events, I get ticked off. And I get mad. But then all of a sudden, I'm kind of like this. I'm like, well, at least I'll stay here and I'll serve God and I'll love Him. And you go ahead to the lakes or wherever you're going and you serve the devil. Go ahead. It's no... Pr- Just joking. Just don't No emails. No emails. But no matter who we are, folks, we all battle discontentment in different areas of our life. And the good news is, I think God knew that you and I would struggle with this. And so he sent to us a guy by the name of Paul who wrote half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers. And he gives to us maybe the nine most disruptive words in the entire second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, This is what Paul writes. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, to understand these words, what you have to realize is that uh, as Paul is writing this, he's actually writing from prison. Uh, He is on house arrest. And he actually is handcuffed to two different Roman guards. 24 hours a day, he is handcuffed and he's in prison when he writes these words. I mean, it's not like he's in Florida, you know, and he's taking his little picture. He's got a little drink there with one of those little umbrellas. And he's like, I'm content. I mean, I am so content. But no, instead, he's actually in the slammer. And his life is not going well at all. Now, my understanding of Roman imprisonment is that they would give you just enough food, just enough, to actually survive. But that was it. But if you wanted adequate clothing, if you wanted a blanket to keep yourself warm, if you wanted food with protein in it, you had to have resources to do so, or you had to have a friend who would actually come and bring all of that for you. So the good news was that Paul had a friend. His name was uh, Epaphroditus, or Easy E, as his friends called. Just joking, okay? But most of you are like, Epa who? You know, but Epaphroditus. And he actually leaves from Philippi to go to Rome. Now this is different than just going up to the county jail, okay? Like a few miles to help out a buddy or a friend or somebody. 
This was an 800-mile journey, and it took him two months to actually get there. And so he shows up, and he's bringing with him a gift from the Philippian church that Paul had started. And he brings him this cash, and he gives it to him. And you have all of this wealth, and you're wondering, like, how is Paul going to respond to this? And so in Philippians chapter 4, we get Paul's thank you note. And it's interesting because he kind of is like, listen guys, I need you to know something. I'm really grateful that you brought the money, but I want you to know that I was content and I had peace and I had joy even before the money came. Now I'm glad the money's there, don't get me wrong, but I want you to know that it wasn't the money that brought me contentment. I already had contentment in my life. And within the context of this gift, coming to Paul in the midst of prison, here comes these most famous, most disruptive words, maybe in the New Testament, when Paul says this, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And then Paul goes on to say, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. It's kind of like Paul is saying, hey guys, I've experienced both. I've experienced not knowing where my next meal is actually going to come from. And I've experienced having tons of food and wealth. And I want you to know that I have been content and joyful in both things. I think if Paul were here today, it might look something like this. I know what it's like to have a delicious steak from Lahoti's Steakhouse. And some of you right now, you've ignored the teaching. You're not listening anymore. But I know what it's like to have a delicious steak from a great steakhouse. And I also know what it's like to go without food for two or three days. And in both of these, he says, guys, I've experienced both. And I've learned that the secret of contentment in any and every situation is a secret that is beyond everything else in this world. And if you want to know the secret, do you want to know the secret of what it is to be content in your life all the time, no matter the circumstances, whether you're in debt or you're loaded, whether you're struggling with family or your family's going great, whether you're just barely making it or you have a lot. If you want to have contentment in every situation, Paul says, I'm going to give it to you. And this is it. He says, I can do all this through whom? What's it say? Through Christ. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I can get through this prison sentence that I have through Christ who gives me strength. I can do anything. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Because this is the secret to contentment. It is not found, folks, in what I have or what I don't have. The secret to contentment is having a relationship and the strength of Christ and Christ alone. So, for the rest of our time, I simply want to give you two kind of practical things that if you apply these to your life, I really believe 
that you will find contentment where you're at. So here's kind of a way to remove discontentment and to kind of raise contentment in your head. Here's the first thing that you have to do. You you have to kill the comparisons. We will actually kill the comparisons. You can do this. You just kill any comparison. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He said, we do not dare. He said, we don't dare. We don't even come close to this to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Andy Stanley says this, there is no win in comparison. There is never a winner, folks, when you're playing the comparison game. And yet, I realize, because I'm tempted by this, that it is very, very difficult for us not to get like sucked in to comparing ourselves. When I first became a pastor at the age of 22 in a denomination that I grew up my entire life... Uh, I learned that one of the things they had in this denomination was what they called an annual conference. And this is where all of the pastors came together and they would have things to help us grow and we would talk about certain issues. And uh, I was a young pastor and so I met this other young guy, a guy by the name of Jeff. And Jeff and I, we just like hit it off really uh, well. Uh, We both were 22. Uh, I was pastoring though two churches by myself, two country churches, and he was an assistant pastor. And I kind of kind of walked around like, you know, hey, I'm the man. He's the little man, you know. In fact, I used to call him little man. One day maybe you'll be a pastor. But, you know, right now you're like the assistant pastor. And uh, we kind of uh, had this like back and forth. We're both very competitive in sports and other things. And uh, when I went to seminary, all of a sudden, Jeff's life kind of went up and to the right. And uh, he actually started working on Capitol Hill for our um, uh, denomination. He got a doctorate from Princeton Theological Seminary. And he actually became a chaplain, a guest chaplain for the state or for the Senate on the Senate floor. And uh, a few months ago, I get this letter from the seminary that... Uh, was the denomination I grew up in, and I opened it up, and I read this whole letter, but it wasn't from my good buddy Jeff, but all of a sudden I learned that Jeff had actually become the president of the seminary, and he wasn't writing to his 22-year-old buddy, Chris. He was writing, asking me for money, and then at the very bottom, he wrote, Jeffrey William Carter, President. And when I looked at that, all of a sudden, I just like got really discouraged. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, here's this guy. He, he has a, a doctorate. I was lucky to get through my master's program. Here's a guy who's the president of a seminary. I'm just a pastor. And here's a guy who is training future pastors, and I struggle, folks, just to get a weekly teaching done. And all of a sudden, I started feeling 
less and less and less and less, and all of a sudden more and more and more discontentment started taking place in my life. And one day while I'm just kind of overwhelmed by all of this, I was reminded of that scripture in 2 Corinthians. Do not dare compare. Because when you compare, you're never the wiser. And I felt this prompting in my spirit, not audibly, but in my spirit. Stop it, Chris. Just stop it. I mean, you have your gifts and Jeff has his gifts. I love you both. The kingdom's growing. And Chris, could you actually celebrate Jeff and what God's doing through his life? And I was so excited. Until then, I saw Jeff. We went to a science fair and my daughter was there and I was, you know, cheering on my daughter. Come on. And Jordan, you know, she did well, but she didn't win anything. And his kid won the whole show. And all of a sudden it kind of came back up again and I had to tell myself, don't compare, don't compare, don't compare, don't compare. And then we moved on. You see, folks, contentment is found when we kill comparison. Because as our big idea said, uh, the more we compare ourselves with others, the less contentment we have. Now, practically, what does this look like for some of you? Some of you are so stuck in social media and you're on it all the time. And every time you see somebody else, you have a tendency to compare and go, oh, my life's not so great, I'm going through. You know what you should do? Stop it. Just, Just don't do it. There's a, there's a regular time in my life, I'm doing it actually right now, that I just stop doing Facebook. Because I don't want the temptation to have to compare to anybody else. And maybe for some of you, you would do that. Now, uh, for others of you, uh, maybe you need to hide the feed of somebody else. Because every time you get a certain feed for someone, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I wish they had their life. I, uh, they're here. I, that was it. Just stop it. Now, for those of you that are not social media, but you get these catalogs all the time that come to your house and you're buying stuff for the grandkids or your kids and you're looking at it and you're like, ooh, look at this. Just stop it. Just stop the, the circulation of it. Or maybe you've got some kind of app on your phone that's a shopping app and you're always going to it and you're looking at it and it's on your phone. Or maybe it's like every time HGTV is on, you're just like, I've got to go. I've got to go watch it. And then all of a sudden you look at your countertops compared to that other person's countertops. You're like, my countertops stink, man. Just stop it. Just turn it off. Just turn it off. You can do it. So we're going to kill the comparisons. And then secondly, what I want to encourage us to do is to cultivate gratitude. We actually cultivate gratitude. That's one of the things I found with Jeff. Once I was able to cultivate thankfulness for him and what God was doing in his life, it changed. Kind of interesting, I I found this uh, definition on envy because you realize that gratitude is the opposite of envy, right? And this is what the definition says. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. Man, isn't that powerful? Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in my own life. 
Solomon, the guy who was considered the wisest man of the Bible in the Old Testament, this first half of the Bible, in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9, he says this, Everybody look up if you fall asleep. Come back together. All of you on the live stream, come back, come back. Let's look at this scripture together. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. So all of you in Muncie, Yorktown, Selma, maybe you're in Jay County, Randolph County, Henry County, wherever it is, all of you in the auditorium right now, let's all read this out loud together in one voice. One, two, three. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. You know, if you want to have God's peace and God's joy and His contentment in your life, Instead of looking at someone else's Instagram page and going, why I wish I had their life, you just say, no God, I'm thankful for the life that I have. And the next time you're tempted to say, I hate my stupid car. It's always having issues. Instead of doing that, you actually say, God, thank you for the car that I have. Because check this out. If you came here in a car, or if you're on the stream and you have a car, you're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. Just by having a vehicle, you're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. The next time you're kind of like, I wish I had a better house, or I wish I had a better apartment. You could just say, God, I thank you that I've got a roof over my head and I've got indoor plumbing that works. And you laugh at that, like indoor plumbing that works. Folks, did you realize most of the world doesn't have indoor plumbing? It is a gift for you to have that. Or the next time you're like, my life is so crazy, so busy, it's like we're always going, doing stuff, and everything, ah, da, 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 just stop, rather than... Focusing on the busyness of your life. Maybe you could say, I'm so thankful for my family. I'm thankful that I get to go to be in activities with my kids or my grandkids. I'm actually thankful that I have my health, that I have friends, that I have a church family, that I have a community I can connect with. You know, this past week I was thinking about this whole issue kind of in my own life. And this is what I kind of found. That God's blessings, the times in which God has really blessed my life the most, are the times when I made a a concentrated effort to kill comparisons and cultivate gratitude. Every time that I had the discipline to say, God, I'm choosing today, I'm choosing this morning, that I'm going to kill the comparisons And I am going to be filled with gratitude and thankfulness that God poured blessing in my life. When I can look at the successes of other people around and I can celebrate and I can rejoice in that, like, great job, man, I'm so happy for you. And be genuinely kind of concerned about them and, and their success. That's when my heart gets purified and I actually look more like Christ. So, this week, here's my challenge. It's very simple. First thing, kill the comparisons. Just just become a murderer of comparisons. In fact, if someone comes up to you and they're like, what did you learn today? 
you know, in church, I heard you went to church. I learned that I should be a murderer. And then let them kind of go, whoa, my, why, are you in a cult or anything? And say, no, nope, I'm going to kill comparison. And then secondly, that you would actually like cultivate, cultivate gratitude. And if you don't know where to start, here's just a suggestion. I would encourage you for just one hour that you actually take this and you put it there. And you turn off of the dings and the dungs and the vibrations and all that. And you say, stay! And for one hour, you don't look at your phone, you don't look at the television, you don't look at anything else. Just for one hour. And you focus in on contentment. And one way to do this that i found, I've got a little thank, thank you journal. And I... And I have a journal beside me and I just write down all the things that I'm thankful for. And sometimes it may take 20 minutes just to write down everything that I'm thankful for. Or maybe for others of you, you you pull away and you actually say, I'm going to spend some time just in prayer to focus in on that. And I'm just telling you folks, if you'll do this, you'll learn the secret of Scripture that says this. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because He is all that you need. And if you choose to pursue Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, then you'll experience true peace, true contentment, Because the best life is a life that is lived in Christ. Because it's there that He gives you your strength. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Holy Spirit working in our lives and in this place this morning. God, I pray that You would tattoo this message on each of our hearts. Help us to be convicted this morning not to compare ourselves, but to be satisfied with all that You've given to us. God, 2020 has been such a difficult struggle. We've all struggled with having contentment. And God, we need it as we kind of enter this fall. We need Your contentment in our life. And God, if social media is causing people to become discontented and they're comparing themselves to others, God, just help them to shut it off. They can put it away. Maybe for others who are here, it's not social media that's the issue, but it's something else and you find yourself comparing yourselves to others often. And you do that and then you just have this sense that I'm so dissatisfied. So if you're struggling with contentment in any area of your life, if you have this sense that you're comparing yourself regularly, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing, but it may be the thing that helps to free you this morning. Is that you'd say, yep, that's me. Just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me, God. I have a tendency to compare myself to others. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every single hand that is raised. Thank you for the sincere hearts and guts that it took to raise their hand. God, I ask that you would help them to stop comparing and cultivate gratitude in their lives. 
Help us to enjoy what we have rather than desiring what we don't have. And help us to seek you above all else. God, do that for those who are holding up a hand today. In Jesus' name, you put your hand down. Now maybe you're sitting there and you're like, nice religious talk, Chris. I liked it. But I'm not ready to give up my stuff. And I'm not ready to want something more that someone else has. And this is all I can say. Go ahead, go for it. You go for it. Go for all the experiences. Get all the money you can. Experience all the things in life. Go ahead. Do it all. Do it to the max. And I'm telling you, you'll come to the end of it of having everything that you want and there'll be a void. And there'll be a spiritual void in your life. And some of you know that. Some of you are experiencing that. You're like, man, I'm I'm trying, but there's this void. And the thing that you need is the one who can give you strength in all circumstances. And so today, if you're ready to say, I need that in my life. I'm tired of having this void. I want Jesus in my life. I need His love. I need His grace. I need a second chance in Him. I want His contentment in my life. I need His strength then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that we pray alone, but it's a prayer that we pray in community. And I invite us all to be able to pray this prayer out loud after me. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to You. I ask You to be enough. To forgive me of my sins. To make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so I could live for You. Fill me with Your Spirit so I could know You, serve You, and follow You for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to You. Thank You for new life. Now You have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.